Welcome to episode 79 of the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of November 12th, 2015. As always, I'm coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. Before we kick off today's show, I would just like to say happy belated Veterans Day to all of our current and retired military personnel. Thank you so much for all the sacrifices that you've made and all of your hard work to keep this great country free. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. Coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with author Ani Keating. And Ani is someone who I met through Twitter a few months ago. Uh, She started following my podcast page, and then she asked if she could come on the show to promote her book, 30 Nights. Well, we set up the interview, and what's interesting about this is This is an interview that was actually set up months in advance. The book is coming out this Tuesday, November 17th, and we had set up the interview back in August. We had already set the date to do it in early November, and it was honestly one of the most fun interviews that I've ever done. And what's surprising is it's her first podcast interview that she's ever done. And that was very surprising to me because she was very easy to talk to, very laid back. And it was great getting to talk with her about her book and her writing process because I always like to hear from different writers how they handle the writing process because they all do it a little bit differently. But we didn't just talk about her book. We talked about her being an avid reader as a kid. Uh, We even talk about cooking. And it actually leads to a funny discussion because she loves to cook seafood. And being as I live on the Gulf Coast, you would think I would cook with seafood, but I never really have. I've tried making scallops once, and they turned out to be completely awful. So I haven't really tried making anything with seafood since. So she found that uh, quite interesting. But hopefully you guys enjoy this interview. Definitely check out uh, her website, AniKeating.com, which is a really good website, and she actually has character bios on this website. The main characters of her upcoming book all have character descriptions, and she even does quote-unquote interviews with these characters. So if you're reading the book for the first time or if you haven't read the book, then you get to know the characters a little bit, and if you've already read it, then you get to know them a little bit better. So if you're listening to this and you've already read the book, then definitely go check out the website because you'll get to know the characters better. So definitely check out her website. Follow her on Twitter at Ani Keating. And she's just, she's great. I can't say enough good things about her. But like I said, it was a great interview and I hope you guys have as much fun listening to it as I did being a part of it. But before we do that, I have a quick question. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out Atomics, the brand new EP from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, featuring the vocals of Mr. Joey Trincali. It has three brand new tracks, including their single Tomorrow's Plan, which is also the theme song of this very podcast, The Derek Diamond Experience. This EP is unlike anything the Unicorn Wranglers have done before. So support local music by checking out Atomics, which is available now on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to follow them on Twitter at Wranglers. They're also on Instagram at Wranglers as well. Like them on Facebook. Check out their website, theunicornwranglers.com. And just to tell you a little more about Atomics, it's only $2.97, people. That's $2.97. And here are two things that are more expensive 
than Atomics. The Doritos Cheesy Gordita Crunch. Yeah, it's Taco Bell and I can't really say anything bad about it, but it's still more expensive than Atomics. You could save money by listening to great music. You can get Taco Bell anytime. Don't worry about the Gordita Crunch. Just go get Atomics. A beanie is more expensive than Atomics. And especially if you live in Florida, you're only going to need it for like three days out of the year anyway because this warm weather that we're having in November is completely obnoxious. So yeah, save yourself some money and buy Atomics on iTunes and Spotify. And now I've made myself angry because I've mentioned the weather that I haven't been able to stand. But anyway, here's Ani Keating. Back here on the Derek Diamond Experience, and I'm here on the line with my very special guest this week, author Ani Keating. Ani, welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience. Thank you so much, Derek. It's great to be here. Thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I know we, we actually planned this interview quite a while ago. I think it was back during the towards the end of the summer because we yeah. started following each other on Twitter. And then we – I can't remember who reached out to who first, but we set this interview up uh, a couple of months ago at least. Yes, I know. I don't know where the summer went, but I'm pretty sure I stalked you. At least I'm going to take credit for that. <laughs> No, you're you're right. The whole summer, really, really the whole year has just flown by. I mean, we're doing this interview in early November, and it just seems like yesterday we were celebrating New Year's. Tell me about it, and then I'm still suffering from a belly ache from the Halloween candy, so <laughs> <laughs> it's gone by pretty fast. Uh, thankfully, I, I I avoided that. I, I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight, so it, the temptation yeah, was teach tough. Me. Teach me how. I need to lose my... First uh, novel, author 15. <laughs> well, let me see if I can lose some first before I actually try to teach anybody. Sounds good. <laughs> but um, we, I mentioned that you're an author. Uh, I want, did want to start off by asking, like, when you were a kid, was that something that you knew you always wanted to do? Or is that something that, like, say, as you got older, you just wanted to try and write a novel? Um. Actually, I think it was one of those kid things. Like, I knew early on I liked cheese, I knew early on I liked the beach, and I knew early on I liked to write. Um, I think my first memory of it is around third grade. Um, I had to write this essay or, like, a little short story about, you know, family, and I wrote about my parents' love story. And, you know, I kind of didn't really stop since although I kind of have taken breaks over time you know silly things like college and boyfriends and law school <laughs> but I've always known I wanted to do it those silly boyfriends they always cause trouble <laughs> <laughs> whatever tag they have crashes boyfriends husbands <laughs> the same thing yeah we we can be trouble sometimes I I, I will say that uh, what, you do give me really good writing material. So <laughs> I guess it's an even trade-off. Yes. So when you're writing, what is your favorite aspect of the writing process? Is it just coming up with the story, the characters? Because really, being a writer, really the whole world is your playground. That's actually a really, uh, really good way to put it. I think that's probably why I'm drawn to it is that, you know, you can create your own worlds, your own um, rules. But I think the thing that keeps me back at it is sort of the characters. I become oddly attached to them. And I don't, you know, 
I have to say this is my first published novel, so I don't know if this is fairly standard, but I do become really attached to my characters. And at the risk of sounding completely, um, you know, certifiably crazy, they actually sound real in my head. I recognize they don't exist, but barely. <laughs> um, otherwise, I get really invested in what they are. And once they kind of take shape and, and life in my head, I have this sort of for lack of a better word, urge or compulsion to see them through and, and see their journeys through. And I don't know if there's something in my psychology or subconscious of needing to finish things I start, <laughs> but somehow once they take a shape, um, they, they need to get out. So that's what drives it. I, I feel the same way because I am kind of my, uh, I guess, downtime or free time, I, I do freelance uh, video and film work, and one of my favorite things to do is uh, write scripts for that same reason. I like to come up with the characters. I like to figure out where I want to take them, how to get them from point A to point B, because usually, I, I don't know if you took the same approach with your book, but whenever I write a script, I usually know the beginning and the end, and then it's just figuring out how to get there is is really the fun part. So when, when you were writing your, your first book, uh, did you have that same philosophy, or did you just start from the beginning and just kind of see how, how it goes? Well, now I wish I was interviewing you because I want to know more about your, uh, <laughs> your screenwriting process. Uh, maybe I'll do that anyway. But first, I'll answer your question. Um, no, mine was fairly similar to the process you described. In fact, um, there were parts of the book that were re written almost backwards because I knew already the ending. Once the characters became vivid and, and fully formed, I knew exactly the way they would end. I knew the way this book would end. I knew the way the sequel would end. Um, and... That really helped me because it, it helps me plot, right, and, and plant the clues throughout the process. Um, so, yes, I always know the beginning point and the end. Um, but before I get to the end, usually I would have spent some, you know, significant amount of time with the characters in my head so that I know that wherever they're headed is the real uh, conclusion that would fit them. And I realize I just used the word real for fiction, so... <laughs> That's another part of the crazy, but um, usually once that becomes um, sort of evident where they're going, I uh, then I will fill in the middle. I, I gotcha. So your your book, and you've already mentioned that there's going to be a sequel to it, and we'll get to that in a second. But your your first book, uh, Thirty Nights. Yes. What what is the book actually about, and what inspired you to write it? <laughs> well, um, at its basic form, I think the book is about um, two people as fundamentally different in background as they could be, um, falling in love under the most impossible circumstances, except in this case, the villain is not an ex-lover, it's not the woman in the attic, it's not... Um, you know, a, a third party, it's actually the government of the United States, and um, it's actually time. Uh, two things that they can't really do very much about, um, so that's at a general view, but really it's about an, an orphan from England who has immigrated here after the death of her parents, and um, despite her stellar 
uh, academic background is given 30 days to leave the United States, uh, given the current uh, climate against immigrants. Uh, and on that day, she meets a um, U.S. Marine who suffers from PTSD and has his own um, issues and has a total recall, so he cannot forget. And uh, basically, against all reason, they, they do fall in love, and the story um, documents their journey and sort of their fight to sort of move beyond their pasts. It sounds really interesting, and, and something that I that really jumped out at me when you're describing it is the villains are really time and the government, yes. things that you really can't control. And that's to me that kind of makes an interesting dynamic because usually in a story the villain can – be defeated and is usually defeated at the end or, you know, something happens where, you know, there's some type of resolution. But I, I like that, that time is is something that you're going against because if you think about it, it's, it's really kind of delaying the inevitable when you fight yeah. time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I've, uh, you know, I, I've always been kind of intrigued by, you know, no matter how wealthy you might be and the main hero is, um, you know, how, how smart you might be and the main heroine is, uh, some things you can't do anything about. And, you know, we've always taken for granted this idea of love um, conquers all. And um, I guess I'm playing with that, with whether that's really true. Now, when you were, first of all, how long have you been working on this book? You know, it's so funny. The book started about, uh, I want to say, three years ago, two and a half years ago, and I actually posted it on fan fiction. Um, oh, wow. Pretty at first, yeah. And I thought, you know, if I get one or two readers, this is going to be an amazing success. And I ended up, you know, finding uh, a few more and uh, finding an agent through that. Um, and then next thing I knew, um, I had signed a contract. So it's been in the works for a while, um, but the writing process itself only took four months. The editing process only took about four months. It's just that in between the whole administrative part of submitting to publishers, you know, sort of working with agents and editors and all that, that takes some time, but it's time well spent because you learn the craft along the way, and, and that part is actually really, really useful. That's fantastic that you were discovered through fan fiction. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, I don't know if it's discovered, um, you know, I, but yeah, I, I think that was an amazing part. I wasn't expecting that. Like I said, I kind of went in mostly to just um, try my hand at it. And then, and then the next, next thing I knew, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> well, I mean, what's cool about it is that you know, some people do write really good fan fiction. Cause I, I went through a phase when I was in high school where I would, write fan fiction based off of like certain video games oh really like what uh, <laughs> no, mo no. mostly the pokemon series oh. I, I went through a huge phase where i was like a diehard fan of that and then i i went to other websites and would read fan fiction yeah and but no that, that's just you know that's mind-blowing to me that 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 happened that that's awesome for you i'm happy for you Yes, and you know, I can't, I honestly can't take credit for it. I completely uh, got inspired to do that with the, with this little itsy bitsy tiny phenomenon called Fifty Shades of Grey. And, just and a little known thing. Just a little known thing. Um, you know, but, but, you know, what an amazing story it is in terms of publishing, though, you know, and, and that is how she started. And I thought, you know, this is great. Um, 
it, it's no longer the same world of traditional paper communications and bookstores. You know, the world is changing. Right. So I, why not test it with the ones who would first read it, which are the readers? And um, and I ended up meeting some amazing people. But you're right, there are amazing writers on fan fiction, absolutely amazing writers um, that just haven't found their editor yet. But I think it's a matter of time. Well, I think really what uh, – <clears throat> excuse me. I think what really – is great about today is that it's so much easier to get your work out there than it was before. Cause I mean, it's like the same thing with film. You'd have to go to film school. You'd have to make some type of really good project to really get into the business. But now you have YouTube, you have Vimeo, you have so many other platforms to put your work on. And it's the same way with writing. You can do uh, fan fiction. I'm sure there are many other ways that, you know, I'm not aware of. But it's yeah. just, it, it's a great time to be a creator of something because the way to get it out there, and especially through social media, is just, it, it, it's an amazing platform. No, I absolutely agree. I think it has allowed for me what I never expected from it, but I'm so grateful for, is this level of intimacy that it creates with your ultimate you know, in my case, readers, in your case, it would be viewers, um, a level of intimacy and relationship that uh, informs, I think, the creating pro the creative process. You know, you may start with this idea, but then you see them get excited about a specific line of, or, or story. And then, you know, it just becomes so organic. Um, and there is this idea of teamwork from the beginning, then at the very end, um, it really does become about the readers. It does. Oh, and absolutely. This ability, this ability to communicate directly with with them um, without any barriers, um, I think it's amazing. Something that I've wondered about, not just you, but any author, when you write a book or you write a story and you you know come up with how certain characters are, do you put elements of yourself or your own personality into the book <laughs> that's actually a really good question you know who else has asked me that question uh my best friends because they thought when i when they would read it oh my goodness am i going to be able to think about you or the character and um i think that idea comes more because of that standard of write what you know so people i think naturally wonder that in my case um i've tried to give as little of myself to the characters as possible so that I wouldn't be biased to lead them one direction or another, but rather have them lead me. Mm -hmm. But I'll admit that I gave my heroine my hair, mostly, <laughs> mostly because my hair is completely unmanageable. And, um, and so I thought, you know, there is one thing that, that um, she'll get from me is that. Um, but generally what I will give them are sort of admirable uh, traits or not very admirable traits of people that are dear to me. Um, so, but, but not none of myself, uh, which is odd to say, because I suppose I came in this country as an immigrant. And so naturally this story contains some of the themes I learned by studying immigration law, for example, or going through the process myself, but it's not autobiographical in any way. And, uh, I've tried intentionally to stay away from that. And something else that I wanted to uh, to touch on, especially since we're talking about the characters, 
on yeah. your website, you actually have detailed character descriptions oh, of yeah. the main people in the book, and I, I think that's great. I wish more, you know, like film, like films or other books would do that because you kind of get to know the characters and some of their traits before you read it, so you kind of have an idea of what's going in, or if you've read the book first and then you read the descriptions, it kind of fleshes them out a little bit more. As I, I think the detail you went into putting the content on the website was great. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Man, you really do do your homework. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I really appreciate that. But that is exactly another uh, benefit of this new uh new way to write directly by communicating with your readers uh, because a lot of that evolved just by messages, hundreds and hundreds. I, mean, I actually think maybe it was a total of 3,000 at some point between emails and reviews and all that of people asking more questions. You know, the main character, Aiden, well, how does his memory work and how many words per minute can he read? Um, you know, so then I thought, let me just post them because at some point I couldn't answer every one of them. Um, so, but it also helps me, right? Those little character sketches um, help me get to know them pretty well. So I like them. I also do interviews with them, which is kind of weird. And there will be some coming up for the promotions. But yes, yeah, um, I don't know. Like I said, characters feel real to me. I realize that's kind of crazy, but <laughs> they do. No, I, like I said, I, I think it's great. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm trying to get in better shape. I, I'm actually looking at the picture of Aiden, and I'm like, that's what I want to look like. <laughs> well, if you ever start looking like Aiden, you and I will do a video call, not an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it might take me a while, so hopefully you're patient. No, no, no. I'm, I'm very, I'll be working towards my at least I look alike um, Let's see, uh, derriere. So that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aiden is a looker, that's for sure. Yeah, I I can definitely tell. But um, one thing I I also did want to ask. Sure. So say, you know, we're just random strangers meeting on the street, and I ask you, what type of book is Thirty Nights? Like, what what genre would you say this falls into? It's commercial fiction um, slash contemporary romance. That is how they have um, categorized it. That means that it is not erotica, um, even though there's certainly some um, sex scenes in it, uh, which seem to be mandatory these days. <laughs> but it um, sells. Yeah, it's uh, it's mostly it's contemporary romance, commercial fiction. I got gotcha. you. Mm -hmm. So, and another thing I wanted to uh, to get back to, you mentioned that one of the villains is basically the government. Yes. Did, did you have to do like some some researching on the government to know, like, say, about certain laws or you know what to try and be accurate to what you were writing about? Oh my goodness! Yeah, just a little bit. Um, so I. Pretty much, I'm pretty familiar with the immigration statutes, all 3,000 pages of that. Uh, but I also have consulted with um, an immigration expert, so somebody who is who practices in immigration law. Um, 
but yes, that that required substantial research. And now, you know, it is fiction. So I've taken liberties with that. You know, I've pushed the law to its extreme because one of the themes that I wanted to show is what really happens if we were to apply law, particularly a law that's meant to bring people together rather than separate them to such an extreme that it would sacrifice the very thing that it's meant to protect, which are families and relationships. So it is intentionally taken to its extreme. So I would imagine people who work for the government, for ICE, um, you know, Immigration Customs Enforcement, um, I'm sure they're going to read it and going to say, oh, my God, you're the villain, not we. <laughs> and uh, and I'm fine with that because it is fiction. And, and I'm not trying to say that every immigrant's journey is portrayed here. In fact, it's not legal advice. And it is definitely not... Um, intended to to be a true story but it has kind of merged several elements of immigration law it has taken it to extreme and then i've experimented with sort of that alternative reality that it would create um but yes it it has required a tremendous amount of research well i think that's honestly the best type of fiction is when you take situations that when you really think about it you're like well that could actually happen but that's you in the end you have to look at it as it's a fictional story and you have to take yeah. it as such because you know people are so easily offended by oh. everything these days so people just don't know how to take things in context anymore oh yes bless you i offend people on a daily basis i'm sure of it oh uh, i do too i i, I tell myself <laughs> I tell other people that if I posted everything that I thought on Facebook, that I would have zero friends. <laughs> I actually think that might be true about me. Somebody told me the other day they know that I like them when I swear at them. <laughs> so there you go. It's the, same, it's the same concept. No, but I think you're absolutely right about the way that, that fiction works. I didn't really write it to make friends in, in the government or otherwise. I think that immigration right now is an extremely controversial topic. And I know there will be people that, I mean, as you can imagine, each character in the book, and there is a tree of them, symbolizes a particular view on immigration. And I'm sure there will be readers that will look at it and they'll say, oh my God, this is horrible. This is, how do we do this to immigrants? And there will be others that will be like, go back. You know, this isn't um, this isn't free for grabs. Um, my goal was not to resolve any political debates or to skew it one way or another. It was just to explore what would happen if the law was taken to complete extreme. And right. the law has changed since the book was written. So, of course, the you know every every month we're seeing changes in immigration reform. So, um, you know, of course, you have to take in consideration that. But um, that's. Hopefully, it will have those strong reactions, and hopefully, people will re reflect on it. Um, but that wasn't my goal. Well, hopefully so. Uh, you mentioned that you've already got a sequel in the yeah. works. So, so wait, when you wrote the book, did you already have a sequel in mind, or are you planning on doing like a trilogy? Because everything it seems like has to be a trilogy <laughs> these days. Yes, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I was not planning on a trilogy. Um, I was planning on just seeing their journey completed, and then I thought it was going to be in one book, and then I became acquainted with this concept of word count limits <laughs> that publishers put. So I thought, I'm just going to write a 200,000-word book, and everything will work. 
until my agent and editor at the time told me, wait a minute, you have to keep this under 125,000. And I said, no way, what about Harry Potter, right? Because that's the example that everyone brings up. And she says, well, when you're J.K. Rowling, you can make the law. <laughs> Until then, you're going to stay 120000 I said, okay, and I grumbled a little bit. So the idea of a sequel actually, you know, was necessitated by that sheer practicality of it. I never planned on a third book, but there has been a lot of demand about a third book, uh, primarily seeing the journey of a third character that's that's in the book, Javier. Um, I was surprised by that, but he ended up having a few fans. And so um, there, is a, there is certainly the idea that there will be a third book, but it wouldn't really be a part of trilogy rather than his own story, uh, part of the universe, I guess you could you could say. But no, so it'll be two books, but mostly because of word word compliments. <laughs> but still, I mean, not all you know sequels are bad. Like I, I you know, I wasn't trying to say you know, oh, well, you have to do a trilogy because you know, yeah. ev- everybody is doing one. But like I, I was just very curious because you know you've already got a, a sequel greenlit, which is which is awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I think what, what is happening these days, I mean, I certainly think that there is an expectation of it. Um, I'll admit that maybe that was part of my resistance. I didn't want three books. Um, I also wasn't sure I could write three books. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know, as long as the readers want to read them uh, and want to read the story, um, they are my primary concern. Uh, and their happiness and satisfaction with the story. So if they want it, I'll most likely find a way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, besides writing, you know, do you do you read other books? Like, are, are you a, a, an avid reader? Yeah, yeah. I think I might have been a reader before I ever even became a writer. Actually, uh, pretty avid, I'd say. I. And I'm pretty sort of eclectic, too. Uh, a lot of people say, well, does that mean you read a lot of romance? Romance actually is a new thing for me in recent years, but I do read a lot. Um, when I'm not writing, it's probably about one about one book a week, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's just kind of weird. Uh, my mom used to tell me if I, keep my, if I continue to keep my nose in a book, um, I'll never really appreciate the real world or make any friends. I've managed to make some friends, so that part didn't pan out, but <laughs> we'll find out how right she was about the rest. <laughs> what uh, What are some of your favorite books that you've read? Um, like my desert island sort of books. <laughs> um well, this uh, this is going to sound kind of great. Well, it's very they're all over the place. I really like uh, Brothers Karamazov. Um, that's one of my favorites. Anna Karenina is my favorite novel. Um, I love Jane Austen, uh, Pride and Prejudice, of course, Sense and Sensibility. And then probably my favorite is Nabokov. Um, I really like Lolita. Um, so, and then on my genre, I love Jennifer Probst. I think she's great. Um, I love a lot of this, uh, the more recent one, like Abby Glines. Um, they're fantastic. And I've got some, some of my favorite fan fiction writers actually there. They're there. They're, they haven't gotten published yet, but they're pretty amazing. There's um, a girl, Erin, uh, uh, perhaps Quinn. She does fantastic work. Uh, Lynn, uh, she goes by Bronze Goddess, which I think is fantastic. She also does amazing work. Um, so, and I follow them as best I can. 
Nice, nice. And besides books, what do you like to do, just say, in your downtime when you're not writing? Do you Are you a big movie fan or are you an avid TV watcher? I'm laughing only because the concept of downtime between being a lawyer and writing my first book has become sort of mythical. <laughs> but, but it's not at all uh, glamorous. I don't have much of it. Uh, but when I'm not writing or reading, uh, I'll most likely be cooking. <laughs> I really like cooking. And, nice. Uh, I'll probably be cleaning. I do love uh, watching movies, uh, but it's weird. I actually am kind of an HBO addict these days. Uh, ever since we got HBO, the movie theater has not seen me much. But um, so right now I'm watching Homeland and biting my nails after last night's episode. I've never watched that, but I've heard good things. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um I'm actually in complete and total emotional distress after what happened last night. <laughs> so, so yeah, I do. I'm I'm kind of a homebody right now. My husband and I are taking a mushroom hunting course, which is actually kind of hard, and I'm really terrified that we'll pick up some poisonous mushroom and then and then this interview will go viral because that will get accidentally poison herself by choosing the butterscotch yellow as opposed to the saffron saffron yellow uh mushroom and the rest will be history and uh, what you mentioned cooking what what are some of your favorite things to cook because i've i'm i won't say that i'm great at it but i'm not terrible either but what what are some of your favorite things you like to cook like if, if i was to ask you what would you recommend something to try and cook what would you tell me um so well gosh that depends because i love uh seafood I was mm-hmm. raised in a little beach town, um, so because of that, we ate a lot of seafood and a lot of vegetables. So I would say um, seafood with as little sort of messing with it as possible. I put all the efforts on the vegetables and try to leave the, the seafood mostly on, you know, basic olive oil, lemon juice, kind of as close to its standard habitat as possible. <laughs> And what's funny is I've never tried really cooking with seafood, and I, I live in the Gulf Coast of Florida, where it's like a seafood community. How do you get away with that? I, I mean, there there are so many seafood restaurants in this yeah. place. I mean, I, I like seafood, but I've just never tried. Well, I've tried to cook scallops once, and they turned out terrible. <laughs> did you overcook them and they become rubbery? Yes, I did. <laughs> there you go. I think the trick with those is to pat them a little bit in the center. And if it's kind of soft so that it doesn't uh, snap right back up, then they're done. I'll have to remember that next time I try it. <laughs> but I've never tried cooking with shrimp or fish or anything like that. Oh, you should. They'll expel you from Florida if they find out. They they might. So, so hopefully <laughs> uh, I, I might have to just put some dead air in that, that spot of, of the interview so that people don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, once you're finished with this book series you're currently working on, do you have any ideas for any other books that you want to do, maybe something in like a different genre, or would you stay in the contemporary fiction uh, Uh, genre? Contemporary romance? No, uh, actually I do. I'm already writing one in a different genre, and that is uh, standard fiction. Uh, That one is about uh, tradition in Eastern Europe and uh, Afghanistan and some other uh, countries where um, women take an oath of virginity. They're called sworn virgins, 
and uh, the book is about um, a, the specific a, a specific conflict that that happens in that situation. Although it isn't um, sexual, as you might immediately think, because of that, but uh, it approaches that, and that is not romance. Um, and then separate from that, I have a book that's more fantasy. It's based on legends from different countries and sort of the descendants of those legends in uh, modern day. That sounds really cool, actually, because I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like, say, classic mythology and things yeah. like that. So that, that sounds like something that would be right up my alley. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I've noticed a lot of uh, a lot of guys become immediately fascinated with the legends, uh, with the legends idea. Uh, I was not expecting that. But even my own husband, you know, he said, oh, it's great. You, you wrote this book. But but tell me about legends now. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm in the process of actually finalizing the map and, and part of their lexicon and, and the language. Very different process uh, writing, but uh, also it's very immersive. Like once you start on it, pretty soon I'll be speaking in that language and then I'll really be excommunicated from the legal field. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, I I can't really explain why guys like things like that. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I guess with my personal take on it is that I grew up playing video games and reading stories that dealt with like medieval times and mythology. So I, you know, even as back as I can remember is like being four or five years old, being fascinated with that kind of stuff. So yeah. you know, it's, it, once you once you do that, I would be very interested in reading that. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. I'll let you know. Maybe you'll be my test reader because you've had so many, so much experience with video games. Um, yeah, I don't know where the fascination comes from. Maybe that idea to kind of go out and conquer. Maybe so. <laughs> I guess it's that whole trying to be the alpha male thing. Yeah, I guess so, which I don't know why what that explains about me, but maybe I'm a little bit of alpha male too, as I think every woman is. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in closing, before uh, before we wrap up this interview, uh, how can people find you on uh, social media as well as your website? Oh, um, sure. Yeah, it's very easy. Um, I am on Twitter um, at Annie Keating, so A-N-I-K-E-A-T-I-N-G. And then on Facebook, the same way, Annie Keating. And then, of course, my website, AnnieKeating.com. I have just started Instagram, but I am so terrible with pictures uh, and actually with technology generally that... um, You probably should give me some time to actually post cool pictures in there because it's not anything amazing, but I am on Twitter and Facebook uh, very actively several times a day, and, and especially on my blog and my website. Um, that would be the best way. And of course, they can find the book. The book itself is uh, available now for pre-order um, through all the major distributors, um, Amazon, iTunes, all that. So if they want the book, and, and you can get the link through the website too, and my publisher as well, Sam Hain. And when is the release date for 30 Nights? It's November 17th. It's coming up uh, right around the corner. So, um, and it's coming out both on, um, you know, electronically and paperback. So. Fantastic. Well, Ani, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was a fantastic interview. Well, thank you so much. Now, when do I get to interview you? Because I want to know some about your projects. <laughs> well, 
I will say this. I have done uh, one episode of my show where I was the guest, where I talked about my – because I also work in minor league baseball and doing production work. If I do another show where I'm the guest, you can be the interviewer. I will, I will say I, that on air right now. Great. I would love to do that. And you can also guest – we can do a written um, – interview on my blog if you want to you can tell me about uh, about the projects you're working on i'd love to hear about them oh absolutely yeah we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch great well thank you so much thank you for this opportunity um i'm brand new at this so i appreciate you giving me a chance to to speak about the book and um to let me basically loose talking about the writing process my thanks again to Ani Keating for that fantastic interview, and good luck to her in all of her future projects. Don't forget to check out her website and get 30 Nights, which is available in both paperback and digital this Tuesday, November 17th. Next week, I'll be talking with another author, a good friend of mine who I met at a convention called Fanaticon a couple of years ago, Jason Woodham. He's the author of a fantastic novel called Blaze. And you're definitely going to want to check out next week. It's a great novel, especially for all you uh, science fiction fans. You'll definitely enjoy it. And I'll actually be doing the interview at the third annual Fanaticon, which is this weekend in Ozark, Alabama. Myself and my Nerd Cave podcast co-hosts, Zach and Robbie, will be there as well. And don't forget, you can check out past episodes of the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or you can stream them directly from the website, which is ddepodcast.com. You can also follow me on social media. Find me on Facebook. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And you can follow me on Twitter at dde underscore podcast. But that's all I've got. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you once again for tuning in to a great episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. (laughs) 